Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm John McEnroe, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast. It is about 7.30 in the evening on Sunday, post-final, post-men's singles final, one of the great finals, I reckon. I've just come off commentary from it for BBC Radio 5 Live, and it's always difficult, Catherine, to judge the level of tennis in a final like that, to judge it against other great finals. More recently, one thinks of Federer against Nadal in 08 and Roddick against Federer in 09, but... For me, it was up there in terms of its drama, in terms of its styles, and obviously uh, it was a a sort of draining experience, I think, for everybody involved, the fact that Federer came all the way back and didn't quite win. But I think the first thing we have to say is congratulations, Novak Djokovic, a Grand Slam champion again. Congratulations, Novak Djokovic, and and huge commiserations to Roger Federer because... He did so well, didn't he? He did so well to take it into a fifth. And seeing him looking at his kids in the box there, obviously desperately wanting them to be able to see him become a champion. I remember Agassi talking about how much of a motivating factor it was for him to keep going into his 30s. It was the the opportunity for his kids to remember him being a champion. And I'm sure that applies to Federer as well. So it was heartbreaking to see him look up to his box as a a runner-up. But... Huge congratulations to Djokovic. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he picked himself up from that fourth set. Um, but he did, and he was sensational. I think when uh, when the match got taken into a fifth set, an email went, went round from the ITF statisticians uh, who'd worked out that the last time somebody saved a championship point and went on to win Wimbledon, saved a championship point in the final and went on to win, was in 1948, which shows you that Federer... Uh, as well as he had done to take it into fifth, was pretty much trying to achieve the impossible there. Not quite the impossible, because someone did it in 1948, but pretty much impossible. I think I saw another stat as well, that the player who'd won the fourth set um, in the last eight finals had gone on to lose the match. Um, I I haven't been able to verify that one, but I can can believe it, you know, the way that the momentum switches back and forth in those finals. In terms of Boris Becker's role... On one level, you might argue that, well, hold on, his job is to to make the player keep his nerve when he's in the big moment. And Djokovic was 5-2 ahead in the fourth set. 
didn't successfully serve it out and ended up taken into a fifth. On another level, you can say, well, hold on, after that, he dusted himself down, Djokovic, and still beat the seven-time champion in the fifth set after all that level of disappointment. I think, I think you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt and go with the latter, haven't you? I think you've put it exactly right. We don't. We haven't got any hard evidence of the difference that Becker is making to his game. He has. He hasn't changed anything technically. You know, he was already a great champion, a number one, a Grand Slam champion. So there's no uh, palpable evidence of the impact Boris Becker's had. But you're absolutely right. You have to give him the benefit of the doubt. Djokovic has lost his last three Grand Slam finals. He's lost uh, five out of the last six, I think, um, or four out of the last five, perhaps. And today he's he's won, and he's won from a very very difficult position. So I think you've you've put it perfectly. Benefit of the doubt to Boris Becker. Um, I don't know what he's doing, but he obviously is doing something quite brilliant. Well, what he is doing, according to Novak Djokovic, is giving him the benefit of experience of how to handle situations like that. It's a, it's another source to tap into, isn't it? That otherwise he wouldn't have. Now, Roger Federer is stuck on seven Wimbledon titles. Not a bad place to be stuck if you're going to be stuck somewhere, is it? And 17 Grand Slam titles. I know we both predicted at the very start of the tournament that he would win. Now, I know I've gone around the block a bit and predicted about another eight people might win it since then because that's what I do. (laughs) Hey, presto, the one bloke I haven't predicted is Novak Djokovic, but there we are. Uh, All that aside, where does this leave Roger Federer now? He's obviously got a US Open ahead of him. Um, he's already talking about coming back here next year. I have no doubts that will be the case, that he will come back as long as he's fit and firing. And physically, he didn't look to be suffering too much out there. For me, it was a question of shot-making from Djokovic when it mattered most. Yeah, I don't think this actually, although it might feel just in this moment that it leaves him somewhere different, I don't think when the dust is settled, he's in that much of a different place where he was before. If anything, he's in a in a better position. He's exceeded expectations here. He's exceeded his seeding. He's exceeded everything, really, on paper. Um, so, actually, once the dust has settled and we look back, this should, you know, there's no reason why he can't win the US Open. I know realistically his best chances are probably here but he's got an incredible record uh, in New York so there's absolutely no reason why he can't win there his ranking will go up as a result of this so he should receive better seedings at Grand Slams and hopefully if he can maintain uh, uh, an improved ranking um, that will uh, continue to benefit with him seeding and draw wise so I don't think this, although at the moment it feels like, oh, his best chance of winning another slam is gone. He'll never win one again. He's 32, would have been the oldest bloke to win win Wimbledon if he'd won this year. Next year he's going to be a year older. You're right, he looked absolutely fine physically. In, act, in actual fact, he looked fresher than Djokovic, I thought, in the fifth set. So physically he's fine. Mentally, I think the old cliche, he will take a lot of positives from this once he's got over the disappointment. And I do think we'll see him back at least one more year. Yeah, I think so, for sure. Physical condition permitting. And he's in a very different place to where he was a year ago when he lost in the second round to Sergei Stokowski and then he went to the the hard courts. In fact, before then, he he had some clay court events, didn't he? I think in Hamburg and and in Gestad. And he didn't perform to his normal level there. He was losing to players he wouldn't normally lose to. He lost to Tommy Robredo in the third round, I think, at the, uh, at the, or the, or the fourth round at the, at the US Open, which was extraordinary to, to, to think that that would happen. And 
most people thought he was finished after that. And, and I, I think, I'm not saying, I can't really remember what we said, to be honest, at the time. Uh, I, I do remember that he then reconvinced us that he'd still got something in him. And I think he's proved that this week, no matter what. Uh, I won't mention the take my breath away sort of line again, because uh, that's just too vague. Um, but I mean, there's no question that, that he's shown just what he's capable of and what, I mean what an atmosphere it was out there I know everybody's on his behalf a bit flat at the moment but it was a wonderful Wimbledon final and it was a it was a joy to be part of really a bit you know just to be there I tell you what Federer took my breath away at 3-4 uh, in the fourth set down break point he served and volleyed on a second serve and hit the most incredible half volley uh, I don't think it was a winner I think Djokovic got to it, but it was it was close to a winner. It set up the point for him. That took my breath away. I know he didn't go on to win, but that was a little victory right there. And Andrew Roddick tweeted about it at the time, and he said that was the best uh, half volley he'd ever seen, in given the circumstances, the best half volley he'd ever seen. So. Roddick made me laugh uh, when, he, when he tweeted, this is the best I've seen Roger Federer serve since... Damn it. <laughs> Of course, he was referring to 2009 when Roger Federer hit 50 aces to beat Roddick himself, 16-14. He was also uh, on his radio show, on his own uh, podcast, was Andy Roddick on the Fox Live Fox Sports Live podcast, really good podcast, by the way. If you if you want to hear Andy Roddick on a, a regular show, it was so funny um, talking about Roger Federer now being the biggest Nick Kyrgios fan on the planet. Once he'd removed his kryptonite from the draw in Rafael Nadal, well, unfortunately for Federer, uh, he ran into Novak Djokovic, who just about scraped victory this time. Now in the women's draw, another wonderful story on a couple of levels. First of all, the the further progression of Eugenie Bouchard to get to her first final but how about Petra Kvitova in the final have you ever seen a better virtuoso performance than that 55 minutes I don't even think Bouchard was that bad it's difficult to know how bad she was how good what kind of day she was having because she wasn't in it there was only one person in that final I can't can't remember any Bouchard shots it was the most dominant tennis display I've ever seen really and to do it on that stage was incredible I mean I think there's a fair bit of sympathy for Bouchard because you're right she didn't she didn't play badly she didn't it didn't look like the occasion was getting to her as some sort of some sort of people wanted to overlay that analysis onto it but I really don't think it was that I think Petra Kvitova was unplayable and just hit her off the court I think Bouchard will be susceptible to that at times in her career and she'll she'll just have to to say all right you know that my game against that sort of game on its day doesn't you know doesn't match up and and she's going to have to take that every now and then I think but um I mean we really should be talking about Kvitova because and I really am chuffed for her because I've been doing a paper review every morning on Live at Wimbledon and there was no coverage of Petra Kvitova in in the papers on Saturday well, I think there's a number of factors. Uh, I mean, look, Bouchard is a good story. She is a good story. You know, junior champion, um, interesting. I, I am captivated by her chilling focus. You know, for a 20-year-old, she is... 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Is um, unbelievably, almost off-puttingly focused I, I can't quite get my head around it I mean look it's it's working for her I can't criticize it but hey she was on the front pages of a lot of papers because of the way she looks and uh, we could go into my feelings about that um, plenty on another occasion um, and it's not her fault necessarily that that's the case it's just the way of the world but I'm delighted that Kvitova's performance out there said hey everyone that serves you right for not giving me the attention I deserved in the lead up to this final as wonderful as Petra Kvitova played, um, I felt a bit short-changed on behalf of the spectators out there. Despite the fact that they saw just one of the great performances from a player, I think that match was proof that it's time for best-of-five-set women's finals at Grand Slam tournaments. That's my view. What do you think? I agree with you, but I think women should play best of five overall. This is the prize money debate that we have been promising podcast listeners that we'll have at one time. I, don't get me wrong, I wholeheartedly believe in equal prize money. I believe wholeheartedly in equality across the board. Uh, but I think that women should play five sets for it. There is, you know, Women's marathon isn't shorter, women's football match isn't shorter, endurance-wise. There is no reason why women shouldn't play five sets. Now, I accept that there are market forces involved in, you know, do people, you know, I'm, I'm not blind to the fact that perhaps people don't want to watch five sets of the second round of uh, the women's draw. And, you know, in all honesty, I pr probably wouldn't want to either. But in order for women's tennis to be watchable over five sets, sometimes you have to put the cart before the horse and uh, reverse engineer it, if you like. Hold on, isn't equal prize money about equality of just not treating men and women differently in terms of the recognition that they get? 
No, I think it's about equal work, equal pay for equal work. I mean, that's what it is in every other workplace in the country. That that's that's what it is for me. I think, I think that's the strongest. There are there are many strong arguments for equality, but I think that's the most indisputable one. Undisputable, undisputable, indisputable, undisputable. I'm going to settle. If on that's that. the case, do we then need to revisit the argument that I had with Ben Rothenberg of the NCR Tennis Podcast? There you oh, go. Don't no, mention no. them. Come on, they're, they're not good. mentioning us. Come they on. do. Do they? Well, they. Because they're threatened, David. They bigged us up on um, on the radio the other the other month when I was in Australia. Courtney, she was very nice about us. I wasn't very nice back, but I'm trying to make up for that now. Uh, but no, they they do a, a cracking podcast cast of their own uh, and download that one as well you can listen to them both anyway well the, the argument stop raising your hands as if you're disgusted um the um the the dis- debate that ben and i had a year ago is he thinks it's time to go to best of three sets in the men's draw now i i just don't agree with that because of all those wonderful matches that you would lose uh, we would have lost grigor dimitrov uh, a couple of days ago wouldn't we after three sets we would have had you know there are matches where which end up 6-2 6-2 that end up being five set classics i don't agree with it however if you're saying to me that in order to have a best of five sets women's final and the reason i think you need to have that is that is that it it takes away the element of nerves to some degree i.e somebody getting just stage fright it gives them time to get into the occasion we saw that with sabina lizicki by the time she warmed up last year she almost made a fight to the second set she might have been a different player in the third set and um and so that's why I think we need to have best of five sets to, to just safeguard the fans, safeguard the occasion a little bit from, from all of that and also to elevate it from the rest of the draw. But if that means, in your view, that we need to change the rules in order so that it is equal on both sides, maybe there needs to be a cutoff point during a slam by which some of it is best of three and then the rest of it's best of five. I don't like the idea on on an, on the one level, but if but if that's that's what it's going to take, what do you think? I think that might be um, a good balance. I don't think it's the ideal world. The ideal world for me is uh, is best of five across the board, men's and women's at Grand Slam level. However, I am not blind to the the practical implications of that and the fact that a it's never going to happen because of the practical reasons, and two, uh, and b too. But um, we're tired, aren't we? Uh, and b. Um, I, I just I think that would be a good balance of solving the practical issues, not losing too many of the the great matches, what what evolved to be great matches over five sets, but also not sacrificing the principle of equality. At the moment, we're sacrificing that principle for the sake of uh, more marketable tennis. And as I say, I think you have to put the cart before the horse. Sometimes you can't. You know, I uh, we talked about this yesterday, and I made the argument about women's football nobody's wanted to televise it for years because the standard isn't as good as men's well the standard will never be as good as men's until it's televised until it gets the attention which leads to money going into it um which then leads to an uh, in the long medium to long term an improvement in standards so sometimes you have to engineer something rather than just allow natural market forces to to take their grip so where do we insert the cutoff from three sets to five sets during the course of a two-week Grand Slam tournament. How are we going to do that, Catherine, here on the Tennis Podcast? Apparently what we say goes. Um, And anyway, what we'll come up with, we'll come up with our view now, very quickly, and then you lot 
can send in your ideas to at Tennis Podcast on Twitter. And the next time we come back after we've surfaced from the dark room that I intend to lie in for the next four weeks, because I'm so exhausted, uh, and we do a pre-US Open uh, tennis podcast, we'll talk about your ideas. What do you think then, Catherine? Well, the most obvious one is uh, week one, week two, isn't it? Although uh, the problem with that is different Grand Slams, week one and week two. I, fourth round, essentially, the cutoff. Rounds one, two, three. And that practically works best as well because obviously rounds one, two, three is when you have the density of matches and purely from a logistical perspective of you know getting all the matches finished, um, that's when you need the time, when you need the courts, when you could do with matches getting over and done with more quickly week two fewer matches obviously you've got other events going on the juniors but you know they juniors can be sorted out you prioritize the uh, the main draw when men's and women's have them both five sets I, I i don't believe there's not a way that that can work so you're telling me you want every last 16 match in the women's draw to be best of five sets i am telling you that i'm edging towards quarterfinals oh i'd, I'd settle for that i'd say that's that would be fine but to me, the most it makes most sense for it to be week one, week two. But look, quarterfinals is fine. But I don't want best. I don't. I mean, I'm going to be. I'm going to sound sexist here. I don't want the blokes to play best of three in the fourth round. But you want the you want the women to play best of three in the fourth round. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> what was I saying about cart before horse, David? You know, give it a few years. Put make it that way. Give it a few years, and you might be wanting to watch best of five sets in the women's fourth round take your cart and your horse and go away no um oh well i'm gonna have to give this a bit more thought Catherine. we'll do this on the on the pre-us open podcast i think so you be continued or we could do a special edition for the for this debate oh now that sounds complicated but maybe we'll have to do that um but anyway get your thoughts in at tennis podcast we want to know what you think best of five sets in both men's and women's draws halfway potentially through slams what do you think let us know have we got anything else to talk about Catherine what about uh, that bloke Dimitrov that we keep saying is going to win a grand slam and who lost in the semi-finals what do we think about him we th- well I think he's going to win it next year that's what I think there you go the bloke can't stand up he kept slipping over 20 times in a match well that's that's merely a, an equipment issue get some new shoes like uh, Djokovic did and uh, you're in business Grigor you say that but Roger Federer didn't fall over, did he? He just tiptoes around like he's like he's a, a kid coming home too late into his house and trying to get to bed really quickly before his parents hear him tiptoeing up down the stairs. Roger Federer isn't human, though. He doesn't sweat. He doesn't get injured. You know, the rules the rules of gravity barely apply to him. So he's he's the exception to all those rules. Okay, she's got an answer for everything. I don't know what to say. Anyway, that's about it, isn't it, for the tennis podcast for Wimbledon 2014 highlight? What was your highlight? Uh, Kyrgios Nadal. Oh, it was a special one, wasn't it? it yeah, as, as a standalone, the, the run of Dimitrov, sensational, but as a standalone sort of moment match, uh, unbeatable, really. Yeah, no, it was very, very special. I'd probably go fourth set of Federer Djokovic, and I, I, I'm sorry to anybody who supports Djokovic because I know that means that your man had disappointments in that set, but he was part of it. He was a big part of one of the most special sets. Cert- I mean, I, I was privileged and lucky enough to commentate on it for five live and it was the most intense set of tennis i've ever com- commentated on in more than the decade of doing this and I, I mean i came off and i i needed to go and have a lie down for quite honestly and be fed about 28 jaffa cakes because i needed something to eat yeah you're lucky we're on radio right now because you do look pretty exhausted all right all right 
I'm sure I'm not looking my best either, but you look pretty pooped. Thanks very much. Uh, well, that's about it, isn't it, for Wimbledon 2014, the tennis podcast. Catherine and myself, David Law, hope you've enjoyed our 20-minute chat and uh, come back and listen to us again soon. We'll be back before the US Open. Look forward to it. Take care. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.